2: Welcome to I'm Absolutely Fine, the podcast from the middle that looks at all the glamour and indignity of being a grown-up.
0: Well, as far as I'm concerned, brows are everything. They support the architecture of your face and getting them right, practically a facelift.
2: But because of the plucking 90s, some of us might not have any brows left. Oh, Thanks a lot, Gwen Stefani, Madonna and Kate Moss.
0: And now that overplucked arch is back. I almost want to stop teenagers in the street and (laughs) beg them not to over-tweeze, maybe point them in the direction of a Blink Brow Bar.
2: Blink Brow Bar is the pioneer of eyebrow threading in the UK, and they've shaped 20 million brows, so they really know what they're doing, unlike us in the 90s.
0: Yes, I've been going to them for 15 years and I've never had a dud threading. Now, thrillingly, they've put all that expertise into a range of super easy-to-use products, different products for different problems so they might just be able to help those of us who got totally plucked up with their hot off the press brow boost serum
2: i mean it's formulated to supercharge your brows feeding active ingredients into the hair shaft and follicles for thickness fullness and density and I've been using it for three weeks and my eyebrows are already looking fuller. In fact, 80% of people reported that their eyebrows have grown after using it for eight weeks. So we are delighted that Blink is sponsoring the podcast this week. I mean, this is practically a public service announcement.
0: It is. So get your hands on a Blink Brow Boost Serum because it's all about the brows people and you know it.
2: everyone i'm emily and i am absolutely fine but the other day i went to the loo in the office and i realized that i had sat down with my backpack on so i was sitting there in all my sort of finery with a backpack on my back like, like a
0: sort of murderer
2: Yeah, I mean, it's so humiliating. I nearly sent you a picture, because it was like the most undignified I think I've ever been. Like a toddler? Yes, exactly. Squatting on the loo with their little backpack on.
0: Like someone halfway up a mountain? Yes, exactly. You were. You were halfway up the mountain of your day. I feel
2: like I'm halfway up a fucking mountain, metaphorically and literally. Anyway, how are you, Annabelle?
0: I'm Annabelle, and I'm absolutely fine. But I woke up this morning with really stingy lumbar region like really really bad lower back pain and uh, and all I can think it was was this weekend I had some time to myself so I did quite a lot of lying down oh for fuck's sake And when you get to the point where a little bit too much lying down cripples you
2: (laughs) I mean (sighs) and when you feel like that there is not one affirmation or motivational quote that's going to get you limber you up again is it
0: there really isn't nothing that's going to help you attack the weed like a shark or a lion or any of those wild and highly motivated animals i mean we posted a thing on instagram didn't we a a week or two ago and it was a reel and the reel was i'm gonna have to do a terrible impression now but the reel was Gemma collins saying i ain't staying here i love you but i ain't staying here (laughs) and the caption was when you visit a friend and they have a live laugh love sign in their house. And about 150,000 of you listeners, middle, saw it and then brilliantly started sending in all the slogan prints and sayings that, that trigger you. And you're so funny when you comment or DM us on Insta. It always gives us great joy. But this post was, was particularly good. I mean, I remember a couple of years ago, I was having a heart-to-heart with a very, very old friend who was in a terrible marriage. And her husband had done all sorts of awful things she was completely miserable she was cataloguing all the horror and I suppose I was sort of nodding sympathetically with a bit of a compassionate head tilt but it was only when she said and then he spray painted a live laugh love sign on the wall above the
2: bed (laughs) that I
0: said oh my god I'm so sorry for what you're going through live laugh love live laugh leave more like as one of you brilliant people suggested on instagram and eventually listeners that's what she did i mean of course
2: i can't actually say live laugh live love, love it is weirdly
0: uh, hard to say live laugh love
2: i mean maybe maybe it's right anyway what is it though that triggers us about these well-worn slogans i mean they should be comforting and yet they are infuriating i suppose they tell us or what we already know, and make everything feel even more futile and unreachable. Yeah, they imply that
0: just a print on a wall is a game changer and will immediately recalibrate us to, I don't know, dance like no one's fucking watching. I
2: knew you'd bring that one up. And actually, I noticed it on, uh, on people Instagramming and I felt deep shame because I have <laughs> a dance like no one's watching print in, in our hallway. And, okay, I have to be completely honest it was given to us by a really really good friend for my daughter who is like under 10 and um she was like i'm not having <laughs> she was all gemma Collins. well she wasn't gonna have it, gonna have it I'm not, that's not staying here. That's not, staying here that's not staying here i love you but that's not staying here exactly and but because i was such a people pleaser i put it up in our hallway so i god knows how many people i've frightened off but uh but yeah
0: Another thing that... These are all from... These are all generated by you lot The one of you posted in the comments on Insta was life isn't about waiting for the storm to pass. It's about learning to dance in the rain. (laughs) Why is that so irritating, Em? It's
2: so irritating. I think... I suppose we all do need to realise... I'm just being kind here, right? That the day-to-day drudge and grind and worry and exhaustion is the good part, right? Because... You know, sometimes we only realise that those were the good times when something really bad happens. But learning to dance in the rain! <laughs> learning rain. to dance in the rain? Oh, it's like an attitude lecture. It's a, you've only got yourself to blame for your stress levels lecture. It's a sort of, you know, you can choose how you feel oh. lecture. And I, I think it reduces our mental health to, that, to a take that video. You know, Jason Orange doing backflips in a vest in the rain. Let's do that then! Oh, yeah, we'll definitely feel better. What with your back and everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's do backflips in the rain because it won't be the
0: thing that tips us in our lumbar region over the edge at all.
2: (laughs) We're absolutely fine. What about, what about, what about uh, the other one that was highlighted?
0: You don't have to be crazy to live here, but it helps. Uh, yes, another one of yours, listeners. You don't have to be crazy to live here, for fuck's sake, crazy. (laughs) Like cray, cray, crazy. I'm just crazy, me. Always got a little bit of crazy in my pocket you know c to the r to the a to the Z. <laughs> I mean always have been well okay what if we replaced crazy with mentally ill <laughs> you don't have to be mentally ill to live here but you
2: probably are <laughs> please write to us if you think we should put this slogan into production i definitely need this t-shirt um okay uh i am enough
0: i am enough you suggested a print that says i am enough on someone's wall oh dear
2: I mean, this triggers general derision, which is incredibly ungenerous because generally hanging this on a wall is basically a how for help, it isn't is. it?
0: It's a clear signal that you're either coming out of <laughs> or in the middle of or, or heading for some kind of nervous breakdown. Sorry, spiritual awakening. Sorry, <laughs> nervous breakdown. Oh. Another one of the ones that you said was uh, a framed print that just says, enjoy. Enjoy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> What's that mean? Serve you life's orders. Enjoy what? Enjoy everything? I suppose these are probably hung in the houses of those who go for organised fun.
0: I know one woman uh, who practically the moment you cross the threshold of her house she's putting you in a wig and some like hilarious glasses and make you do a crazy dance for like a crazy photo or a crazy video and you don't have to be crazy to live here but i oh god
2: i'm not staying okay wait hold on hold on speaking of staying another suggestion was namaste in bed
0: yoga puns
2: oh literally have we come to this
0: yoga puns jesus <laughs> we could run with it for a minute I mean, um time for your downward spiral ladies Swiftly followed by the sad cow pose. Yeah. uh, See also Namaste. Oh, God, that's wet. God, that's wet. Uh, Happiness is a journey. I mean, as we always say, Just because life is a journey doesn't make it any less of a disaster. That knowledge creeps up on you slowly, doesn't it? I know. And
2: I can think of some other things that have crept up on me recently, and not in a good way. Are we are we at the creeping, (laughs) are we in our creeping era? One minute you're going about your business. And then you know where you are with everything. And suddenly it's like your cells have gone through that hadron collider and you are a totally different person. For example, I have always been immune to the attraction of birds, and actually quite frightened of seagulls. They live for 30 years, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I wish they probably remember the 90s better than we do. Yes. Anyway, we've basically been oblivious to bird life, and suddenly I'm a bit of a bird watcher.
0: Mysteriously, you're asking, is
2: that a fluffy-backed tit-babbler? Or is it a goldfinch? A chaffinch? A dunnock? Could it be a cold hit? I mean, obviously, <laughs> actually at this point, we are just listing birds we Googled. But you get a picture. Birds suddenly take on like profound emotional significance. Yeah, yeah. Look at that robin. Howls.
0: Look at that magpie. It screams. <laughs> I spent my whole time on my stupid walks around the park for my stupid mental and physical health just crossing myself and going, hello, Mr. Magpie. How's, how's your wife? The other thing that creeps up on you is uh, grown-up political anger. Yeah. I mean... Uh, Passion politics definitely took me by surprise and the rage. I was not a firebrand in my 20s. It took me years to realise that I even paid tax and what was it for? Because it just came off my payslip.
2: I actually got my belly button pierced to celebrate the 1997 election results. I mean, it's obviously what John Smith would have wanted. But the point is, is that, you know, I wasn't exactly a firebrand. It was more like decoration. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Decoratively political. I mean, one minute you vote because it's a novelty that it's your right. And the next minute you vote because you're absolutely furious. I mean, you sign petitions. You ask where the marches are. You cry over all the girls in Iran. I mean...
0: All the girls everywhere.
2: That's true. And you feel... I feel so frustrated that after all this time that we have been alive, there seems to be no real progress. Yeah, I mean, all these kids, you know, they look like the angry
0: ones. They feel like the angry ones, but they have no idea of the fury that's coming for them because, I mean, Jesus Christ, guys, how hard can it be? I mean, maybe not to get it right all the time, but maybe not to get it so relentlessly, viciously, spitefully, like illegally wrong.
2: Yeah, no, it's a disgrace. You know what else is a disgrace?
0: What, something that's crept up on you? What's crept up on you?
2: Dirt. You're
0: actually, you're seeing dirt. Yeah. I've literally... When did you last wash your bath mat? Um,
2: actually, this weekend. But, but before then, like, sort of three weeks at least.
0: That's better than usual.
2: It is better than usual because, you I know... And it used to
0: be six months.
2: I am, I'm a political firebrand who's also turning into a 1950s housewife. Who cares yeah. about dust on the skirting? I've never even looked at the skirting, I don't think. And now You'll I... You'll be like
0: me, hands and knees on your floor with some wipes. Yeah, no
2: wonder our back's
0: fucking hurt. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, and I i mean, this is, uh, speaking of, of sort of like, you know, domestication, I've suddenly become a person who makes lavender bags. <laughs> oh my God. What? I know it's it, it's it, this is a move way beyond needlepoint <laughs> and we slightly sound like nineteenth century skivvies, don't we? <laughs> we wanted to stitch and dust and or maybe even like Edwardian ladies watch birds and write about them in our notebooks whilst also burning down the house of Commons. <laughs> the
2: other things I've burned down are the kitchen
0: I tell well, you. that's because of the that, that's because of the cooking creep, and um, what I mean by the cooking creep is never wanting to fucking cook anything ever again
2: and it's such a shame actually because you loved
0: loved cooking for people. Yeah, roast, roasting a chicken was kind of my love language. But now, mm-mm, I wonder if it's, it's a hormonal thing. It's signalling the end of the compassionate era.
2: <laughs> do you think that's where we're going well, into? Well, I just
0: have no longer any desire to feed people. And if I need to feed myself, I can do it with a cracker and a bit of old cheese from the fridge.
2: Yeah, maybe also because we're in so much emotional pain and physical pain. Which is why
0: what's crept up on me is the painkiller drawer. <laughs> Not just like a little box. Or, or a cabinet or an old tin with some, you know, own brand ibuprofen in it. No, it's like a, it's like, it's like Davy and Hearst's pharmacy <laughs> these days. It's a drawer that just rattles with, I mean, yes, some bog standard high street stuff, but some heavy hitters that you've procured somehow from someone. Oh, could you just, could you just spare one of those? Or maybe a packet of something someone bought you back from Thailand 15 years ago. It, sometimes it's because the pain, sometimes it's just because you need to take a pill. <laughs>
2: Oh, my God. It's so weird. It's like we sway from... um, Speaking of swaying, actually, i tell you what else I realize is that sitting down dancing is almost as much fun as standing up dancing. More
0: fun, I'd say.
2: I mean, there's less risk of injury, as above, less potential for uncoordinated humiliation, but you're feeling good, and that is the thing that matters.
0: Well, I mean, it's quite freeing, really, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Like... Uh, The other thing that creeps up on us, uh, which is rudeness, late-onset rudeness.
2: (laughs) You know, I spent my entire life obsessed with politeness, thank you cards, and being acceptable, and now I I don't think I care as much. I even sort of aspire to be Miriam Margulies. On the Today programme a couple of days ago, she said, fuck you bastards, (laughs) um, before was being ushered very politely i mean you know from the premises <laughs> from the premises <laughs> and krishnan gurumurthy was subsequently tweeting that she is on a list of troublemakers and like channel four will only hire them if you actually want to smash some shit up which is quite good for 80 it's kind and of a goal isn't kind it? kind of a goal i mean you know like i said i sound really confident saying it but like you know it's quite hard the idea of being rude
0: socially unacceptable
2: yeah i would. mean
0: all the things that we secretly wish it was acceptable to do or say in a social situation. Oh, my God. There's so many, right? Like, imagine if you just said to someone, Emily, in the middle of a conversation, you, if you just said, I don't
2: care. (laughs) I mean, now or at any time, really. Mm. Can you imagine? Imagine how that would be to say, I don't care. What do you think about so-and-so's comment on the other WhatsApp group? I I don't care. Do you think D or Y or Z is a narcissist? Uh, stop diagnosing people, and I don't care. In
0: my case, will Prince Harry publish his book, and will Meghan run for office? Stop talking about them. I don't care. So
2: happy you could say happy if you could say I don't care to any Meghan do and though, Harry conversation. I do. I mean, we're imagining what would happen if you said I don't care. This Christmas, we were just thinking of, I don't care. Oh my god, and then walk away. Do you think anybody would praise me for my honesty?
0: Mm, no. Um, And then, of course, you know, there's what I started doing when someone says, so tell me about yourself. So, tell me about yourself. No. Just no. Yeah, this happened the other night. I've been sitting next to someone for two hours and he said, "Uh, so finally, he said, so tell me about yourself. And I said, no, you've been talking about yourself and your business acumen and your wife's good taste and your children's frankly unremarkable achievements for like a good hour and a half more. And, and now I'm drunk and I'm a, bit, I'm a bit angry and I've just completely lost my heart on for this conversation. And I can't just produce my life story from a standing start. What's that even mean? That's not conversation. Tell me about
2: yourself. I mean, what are we, Americans? <laughs> also, do you think when someone says, tell me about yourself, do you think you should say, well, I like uh, ponies and uh, the colour orange. I'm a very and- sensitive <laughs> person, spiritual, loyal. <laughs>
0: I mean, it's a recipe for absolute disaster. And the other thing I started doing was, someone asked me about how my summer was, or how my weekend was, how my Christmas was. It's just to tell the truth, which is invariably, well, I've had better and I've had worse. Oh yeah, told. not not like oh, Corfu was lovely. We had a really nice pub lunch yesterday. Because either there's a drama that I don't want to share, or my answer has already bored me before <laughs> I've even said it, and I'd rather get back to you. Remember those comforting lockdown conversations oh. we'd have, the granular ones.
2: Yeah, like your favourite
0: one, which was your favourite pasta shape. I spent three months debating what people's favourite pasta shapes were.
2: What is your favourite pasta shape? I
0: still haven't decided, you see. It's a rich, a rich scene.
2: I think I quite like... I tried one the other day. It was called a... Oh, now I've forgotten. It's called a bugatoni or something. And it's like a pasta, but it's got a, a hole in the middle. A hole in the
0: middle. People really fall hard for that.
2: I was like, ooh, this might be a game changer because it's light, but it's chunky.
0: What I discovered is that people have um, improbably strong feelings around Fusilli. Is that the twisty one? The twirly one, exactly. People really, really don't like it, which I'm surprised about. although... I really am not a fan of penne. I think it's boring and I agree. heavy and depressing.
2: I agree. It's heavy and depressing. I also quite like far, farfalle. Should I say farfalle? <laughs> <laughs> farfalle. Farfalle. Because it makes you want to go like that. Anyway, um, so uh,
0: socially acceptable, socially unacceptable. So you know when you're at a restaurant and you're in the middle of an unusually difficult slash deep slash honest slash sexy slash funny romantic moment and the waiter comes over to ask you something really nice and friendly like um is everything okay or do you have everything you need and and and, and the, this very nice person this waiter doesn't take the cue from the fact that you're trying to politely not notice them in order to stay deep within your unusually difficult slash deep slash honest slash sexy slash funny slash romantic <laughs> conversation but they, they they don't go anywhere they, they wait they, they, it's like an act of aggression. They loom. <laughs> they loiter until you have no choice but to raise your eyeballs. And then they ask your question. And then you say, you know, if you're you, what do you say?
2: Oh, you know, yes, thanks. Everything is lovely. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Sorry. Great. Didn't see you. Great. Sorry. Thank you.
0: Exactly. Imagine if you could just say, go away. <laughs> ha! Go away and please don't do this to anyone else this evening. It's bad. It's obviously a vibe killer. Please never do it again.
2: It doesn't make sense. It they... must be an
0: edict from the restauranteurs or the managers. It's mad. So they're so paranoid not to do it
2: that they just willfully ignore the vibe. I don't know.
0: Answer's on a postcard. But it, it's never a welcome in, it's an interruption, is it? Also
2: the fact that we say thank you so much, like we sound so fucking grateful for the intrusion. And I mean, like, for example you have your hair done and Mm. and the hairdresser goes, happy? (laughs) Fluffing your new cut around your face, loving it. Instead of, you know, producing that rictus grin and the huge tip, what if we actually said, I hate it, which is what we're saying inside, and then cried and then said, I feel stupid and ugly and I'm filled with regret. I'm never coming here again. Except obviously I will because a new hairdresser is a terrifying prospect. Terrifying. But we don't say that. Instead, we say, love it. So you're at
0: a party or lunch or dinner or the pub or a walk, anywhere really. And, and you say, as, as, as we do, I, I'm, I'm going to go now. <laughs> and then someone says, as they do, oh no, why? Rather than, than sort of twisting yourself out of shape and saying, oh, I've got an early start or a bad back or a headache or the babysitter, you find yourself able to say... Because I'm not having a very nice time. And then they understand that it's just not happening for you. It's, it's like no blame. It's the no fault leaving. You're not feeling it. Fair enough. Bye.
2: God, it would be so good if actually, it would be so important for us if we could say, I'm actually not having a very nice time, so I'm going to go yeah. for me. Yeah. Not obviously if you're having a one-on-one dinner. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's lovely. But it would be, oh yeah. If that was acceptable. It would be great. Can I tell you what isn't acceptable? Go on, tell me. Is my fucking face. Oh,
0: don't. I mean, so, you know, you start the morning with a sort of 7am squint into the sort of condensation-covered bathroom mirror. And you sort of think, oh, it's not too shabby. You get that vibe. Probably because you're deranged with sleeplessness and the dimmer is on (laughs) low or the lights aren't on at all. And and you're not going to let any daylight in, either because there's no window or because you're not going to let any daylight in because you're scared of daylight. You you know, we all know, you know, this is not our first rodeo that you're supposed to put your makeup on in daylight, preferably with a magnifying mirror. But I mean, how much difference can it really make? Also, you know, you have to emotionally (laughs) limber up for a magnifying mirror. And you have neither the time nor the resilience. And you've been doing your pre-work morning makeup for, I mean, more years than you care to remember. So how bad can
2: it be? Well, Annabelle, I'm glad you asked, because it can be quite bad. (laughs) I mean, you realise at 9am when you're in the office loo with the smear test strip lighting and your mascara has already migrated down your face and you still have that streak of white moisturizer not rubbed in around your temples in your haste and in the dark this morning you didn't blend the concealer on the right side of your nose so it looks like someone has drawn on you
0: or drawn you on
2: (laughs) you also notice that you are using the wrong season shade of tinted moisturizer, so you're either wildly orange or too deathly pale. And so you're furiously blending to make your skin look normal, and instead it looks patchy and red, like you've developed instant rosacea.
0: Which you also have.
2: And yeah, also, you've got a, a nervous hive that turns into a spot over the next 24 hours, and a tick in your eye.
0: <laughs> Just from the stress. Yeah. Uh, then you find yourself in a lift at 11am and uh, you, you make a catastrophic error between the third and fourth floors and and you look up and you catch sight of yourself in the uh, mirror. No. And an inner monologue starts and it goes something like, "'Twas Thursday when she sickened. Her decline was swift. They buried her on a frosty morning, planting fragrant herbs around her grave. I mean, how is it possible to look so ill and yet somehow be fully functional?' <laughs>
2: anyway because of the horror of the lift you manage to spend the rest of the day avoiding all reflective surfaces like a vampire but at 5 30 while walking past the shop window on the way home you suddenly see a Broadmoor SKP. escapee who can that be <laughs> it's me
0: yep you've hit the scaring small children and animals stage of your day because all day long you've been going around with a weird matted lump at the back of your head because you forgot to brush your hair and everyone's gonna think it's sex hair and it's not it's insomnia <laughs> hair
2: and insanity hair you've got seeds in your teeth from lunch although they may not be seeds because you've forgotten what you ate for lunch so maybe let's just call it matter matter in your mouth
0: matter in your teeth and no one's fucking told you so you realise you have no friends
2: and your skirt may or may not be tucked into your knickers
0: and there's a stain there's always a stain probably on your boob holy hell just another day in the life of a mid-up right (laughs) yeah rudeness yeah mirror horror bad backs but all is not lost all is not lost because you could stay tuned for a chat with the brilliant vanita party who is the founder of blink brow bars about how to look after your eyebrows even when you feel as i do today that all might be lost so vanita welcome to the podcast and thank you for coming to talk to us Thank you for having me. Some people are fanatical about brows and some people are a bit scared of brows. And actually, you're talking to the two opposites. I'm (laughs) fanatical about eyebrows and Emily's a bit scared of them, doesn't know anything
1: about them. But really, why are eyebrows so important? For me, it's where beauty starts. Because once your brows are balanced and you have the shape, uh, the, the shape is... Correct. And when I say correct, often if you just leave them, it's just a sort of, it's just hair. (laughs) But when you shape it, it beautifies the whole face and it balances it. And I think it's really important to do what I call brow mapping, which is to get the length of the brows right, to get the arch of the brow correctly placed. Don't take too much off, don't take too little off, and to ensure that it starts and finishes in the right place. And the thickness. So it, it, it sounds difficult, but it is actually, there is a formula that if you follow and you stick to religiously, you will see the difference. It will lift your eyes, it will lift your cheekbones. And people des- describe it as, you know, it is a mini facelift. <laughs>
2: I mean, it's, so many words there that I love. No, well, it does, it does. It
0: shores up the architecture of your face. But I noticed that when I go into Blink, which I've been doing for 10 years, the ladies always do some Leonardo da Vinci-type measurements with their thread around. <laughs> and I think that's the maths that you are talking about, right? Trying to work out where it should yes. start and where it should it's finish. Yes, really,
1: and- it, it's really, really simple. It, 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 your brow should start where your If you have a pencil and you put it against the nostri- your nostril and stick the pencil up in the air, that's where your brow should start. You then swivel the pencil across to the iris and that's where your arch should be and then you Mm -hmm. swivel it to the end of your eye and that is where your brow should end so if you've got a little marker you know a little brow pencil or even a eyeliner just mark it gently on your brows and make sure you stick to those dimensions and I think what people do is they well, overpluck. Everybody overplucks. But it's really hard because you start plucking away and you think, oh, I'll take a bit more, a bit more off. And when you you keep going and then you know you can't stick your brow hairs back on. So I, I, I think that what you have to do is take it very, very slow and make sure you follow that formula. So if your brows start too far back, it throws the balance of your face off completely. And so you just need to make sure it's better to have too much hair than too little. So,
0: take I mean, we've really all slow. overplucked in that, you know, twenty five years are. ago we, when Kate Moss did it, we all did it. Even I, I plucked
2: know. like a tiny bit of my eyes, and I've basically never touched my brows really. What
0: should we do if we overpluck and panic? What's the best
1: way to try and encourage them to come back? I think the best way we have to remember brow hairs need to be looked after, like the hair on your head. So, everybody talks about, you know, massaging your. Uh, your hair and using the right shampoo and putting uh, hair masks on. Treat your brows in the same way it's hair. So first of all, use nourishing oils to put on your brows at night, a little bit like a mask just to condition them and soften them. And then if you, um, you know, there are lash serums out there at the moment. We've got Brow Boost out, which I'm very excited about. And it's just using um, some oils that have active ingredients in them. Like, you know, we have turmeric and hyaluronic acid. We have some coconut oil in there. Um, And then we have Rovisan biotin, which is a delivery system to make sure it really gets into your follicles and stimulates them. Something can be done. Um, Your follicles are just having a bit of a snooze and you need to kickstart them into action. And this helps. So to get a really good serum, I think, is a good idea. To put some oil on your brows at night before you go to bed is a very good idea. Um, and then simply massage them you know get the circulation going it's just to remind your muscles uh, your lymph nodes um, that some work needs to be done not don't have a snooze wake up and get those follicles into action and it does make a difference if you wanted to
0: meaningfully thicken up your eyebrows if they're if they've really got quite quite patchy beyond the capability
1: of a of a serum what do you think about microblading Brilliant! Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, because I know people are terrified for two reasons. One, could you is just explain to our listeners to say, what it is? Li- Emily's like, looking at me, utterly bewildered like, when I say what that. What is
2: microblading?
1: So it, it's 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 um, an advancement on semi permanent tattoos, which people used to do, and it looks very much like a, a sort of copy and paste brow that is drawn on. And it's not the look that anybody really wants to have, but microblading is so much better because it doesn't do it in blocks. It's very thin strokes of a blade, which is then filled in with ink to look like hair. And it's so natural that, you know, and I've seen many of our clients get uh, microbladed. It, It honestly has changed their lives because suddenly you have brows where you had none and they look like brows. So it brings back the thickness and the fullness and the colour. And, you know, it doesn't require much maintenance. So I would really recommend it for people that feel that their confidence has diminished because they don't have any brows. You know, it is about being youthful, I think. And it is the structure of your face, like you say. It's, 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 it's the architecture that shores up the whole face. and About and looking awake. Them. Yeah. Exactly, and your eyes sort of shine uh, and open up when people can see your brows. I think people don't
0: realise that you, you go to get them threaded not to make them thinner. I, I go to make them look fuller, So it sounds counterintuitive, but that's what happens.
2: Because my whole, uh, the reason I've never done it is because I always thought that it would make them, that, that shaping it would sort of make them shorter or somehow, somehow smaller, and therefore that's what, and I already, they are quite Yours thin. Yours aren't
0: so. thin, they're just very pale. Yeah. So maybe I need That's sort of fine. So, I so need a, to, tint, like a tint,
1: actually. Ooh. I mean, I, a tint would look fabulous. I'm looking at your brows right now and just <laughs> thinking. And a tint doesn't need to be, you know, I think people are worried that suddenly they're going to look like a caterpillar, you know, caterpillar brows, not at all. Yes. You know, you, you get them done. The, maybe for the first 24 hours are a little bit dark, but they fade pretty quickly. And it's the definition. It's the frame on the painting, you know. Otherwise, it, you will look at yourself and... You know, other people look at you and go, what have you had done? They won't be able to pinpoint what you've had done. But it's just, it's like putting on mascara where suddenly, you know, you see lashes and your eyes look a bit more open and brows are the same. And often when I've had mine done and I get mine tinted just to give it definition, clarity and, and, you know, make them look like they have a bit more volume. um, I do look in the mirror and think, God, I look great, you know, yeah. I, I, and, I, and I feel okay. so excited. And, and then, you know, before I go in to get my brows done again, I think, oh, something's not quite right. You know, I'm looking, ooh, it's my brows. I need to get okay. them. ship shape. <laughs> what does threading give you that, like, plucking or waxing doesn't? I think threading gives you definition. The shape is so wonderful because you can guide the thread exactly how you, you know, you've got control, And so you can create the perfect shape and symmetry, which I found, I think our clients were astounded when we first launched it back in 2004. We sort of democratised threading. We put it on the shop floor so people could see it. But the results were so dramatically different from waxing or tweezing. I think tweezing, it's one hair at a time, it's slower and you don't have that level of control. So to get them as even, and to get the finishes um, smooth and clean as threading is impossible. Waxing, it's more of a block shape because you can take a certain amount of hairs off together. But with threading, you're dealing with one hair at a time, very quickly and swiftly removed. So you create a beautiful shape. It grabs every single hair, so it's a clean finish. It takes every hair off by the roots, which means that they all grow back at the same time. So you can start controlling your hair cycle if you don't tweeze in between and it lasts a little bit longer. And it's just much cleaner. I was always hysterical
0: about who I entrusted my brows to, like really, really precious about it. But I found one with Blink. I don't walk in and worry about who I'm going to see. I know that they're going to, when I say I don't want them thinner, that I'm not going to come out with them thinner.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's the most important thing that we get the best out of your brows for you and having them thinner is not the best. I think having the right shape is what is important. So some people are terrified because we might recommend that they have a bit more of an arch to balance their face. If they've got quite a round face, an arch looks absolutely beautiful. If you've got a very long face, I describe myself as having quite a long face, a high arch will suddenly throw the balance off. So it's all about getting the right shape for you, which you don't need, you don't have to remove a lot of hair to do that. So to get a bit more of an arch means one extra hair taken out that can make all the difference. But it is only one. You just need to know which hair it is and be very precise about it.
2: I mean, we're all just traumatized by the 90s. That's the thing, isn't
1: it? Yes. So- <laughs> and the skinny brow is, is kind of coming back on the you know, catwalks, which is, you know, a lot of people have asked me, is this true? It's terrifying. And um, it is a bit terrifying. I don't think it will catch on.
0: Well, you know, you know we, we did it then and we didn't look that great. <laughs>
2: so we're not going to be <laughs> making the same mistake. It. But going, uh, will, we, will we be stopping young women in the street saying, just don't touch your brows? Yeah, they Maybe might not will. grow back. Yeah. Um, Well, you know, I
1: think TikTok's sort of taken care of that. There's so much about brow love and brow care that I think, you know, Gen Z at Gen Z are probably a bit more aware than we ever were.
0: Yes, understand eyebrows in a way that we didn't. Well, I mean Emily and I are both yeah. itching now to sort of dash down to the nearest blink bar and get tinted and microblade to have everything possible it done is- to us. Felicia, thank you so much for coming and sharing some of your wisdom. And um, I mean, you know, uh, you know, everybody I know who works in beauty recommends Blink, as do I. So oh, congratulations. That's really kind. And thank, thank you so much. You've been listening to Annabelle Rifkin and Emily McMeekin of the Mid Alt. Our book, I'm absolutely fine, is out now. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe.
2: This podcast was bravely brought to you by Blink because brows are everything.